What is up, everybody? You are listening to The Relevant Podcast. It is episode 1019. I can't believe it. That is, that's a lot of episodes. Um, my name is Jesse Carey, and because you're hearing my voice and not Cameron Strang's voice, who typically hosts the show, he's in Israel this week. You know, it's a very special episode. I was talking to the team beforehand. It's the Outback episode. No rules, just right this week. So uh, get your uh, nice steak knives ready. Get ready to tear in to some blooming onion. The show's already in the ditch. And here with me from Nashville, Tennessee, <laughs> Derek Miner. <laughs> Derek, what's going on, man? <laughs> Bro, I can't remember the last time I ate an Outback, so is, is it good? I, I don't know the last time anyone's... I'm convinced Outback and a lot of chain restaurants are just money laundering schemes because i don't know who's going to them but let's 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 hold that topic because i do want to dig in on that uh here with me also uh is i think from texas right now uh uh she's kind of roaming around the country is is our good friend emily brown emily how's it going it's good um i'm in dallas right now or like north dallas area so you were right texas it good. is uh well, hey, we got a really great show. In addition to a coming conversation about who actually eats at Outback Steakhouse anymore, uh, we have, uh, uh, as always, Relevant Buzz, Editorial Question of the Week, and joining us today is our good friend, uh, Dev Folletta, who's going to be talking about how to navigate holiday relationships. You know, this, this is a complicated time of year, and uh, Deb is a great relationship expert and a good friend of the show. Um but before we get to the rest of the show, Derek, I do want to address something. What uh, up? Uh, your your lack of enthusiasm for Outback Steakhouse. When when do you think the last time you've been to an mm-hmm. Outback? Yet? I think for me it was two thousand eight. Two thousand eight over a decade. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's been a minute, bro. Like I, I'm talking years. I don't I don't know, but I'm talking I'm talking years. Dog. Do you have a chain restaurant take like? Do, do, is it just Outback that you haven't been to? Because, well, listen, I don't have any negative experience. I feel like I can't even remember the last time I've been to Outback. I'm certain I have been, but I don't know where off the top of my head an Outback is. Like, I'm, I'm assuming there's, if I just drive around to strip malls. I haven't seen one in the wild. So I'm saying I haven't okay. I, like, so here's my thing. I don't like chain restaurants. Well, I won't take that, take that back. I don't, I'm not a, if I have a choice between somebody who's cooking this steak and if it's not amazing then you know what yeah. their business is going to go under or the 16 year old in the back that this is their first job i'm going to choose the guy who their life's on the line every time they, they cook a steak because i know that it's going to be right customer service going to be correct look look Travante in the back <laughs> flipping uh, fries and stuff it's and, low stakes. And, and cooking steak. I just don't know. So I'm not saying, that's what I'm saying. I don't know if that's out. I mean, out back, every time I've gone, it's been a pretty decent experience. But as far as just change in general. But I'm going to add one more thing too, bro. Okay. First off, first off, I'm an anomaly. In what way? I am a black man. I'm a black man that does enjoy Arby's. I know there's a thing that black black people are like we don't collectively me and Kev on stage I we both enjoy Arby's but and I always used to get because 
Arby's parking lots are always yeah. empty. They're never, no one's ever there. So what you saying that Something. it's a, a front for money laundering or, or drugs or whatever. Who's going to help back? That's my question. I used to be, I used to be like, there's no way people are not going to Arby's. Then I pulled up and I went to go get me. It was late. You know what yeah. I'm saying? I'm saying, man, I'm just going to get me a beef and cheddar to see what's, what's going on. They said we are only accepting cash at the moment. Yeah. Dog. At the moment. At that that moment right then made me say, yeah, they 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 moving drugs, bro. It's it's a laundering scheme because they don't want people here. Mm -hmm. They they probably ha they don't want people here. They because look, man, I don't know how you inventory <laughs> a bunch of meat, right? Like you got to throw it out at some point. Like it, it just seemed like if if right. if a bunch of roast beef just went unaccounted for, I don't think the IRS is coming to look. Right. Mm -hmm. Like I do feel like if you're if you are trying to to wash some 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 cash, what a better way than a fast food place. Now, Derek, I do find it interesting that you you like it because I used to be a big time Arby's guy back when they had like this is like when I was in high school, the 99 cent menu, because you could you could for like six bucks, uh -huh. you could get a tremendous amount of curly and a Jamocha shake, curly fries. Oh, it, it was solid. But yep. I feel like Arby's went through this thing where, you know, you see the, the sandwich on the commercial and it's these like layered, you know, meats and it's stacked high and it looks <laughs> it looks like it looks like off like a foodie Instagram account. <laughs> then you're like, oh, you know, how bad could it be? And like, there's right. little portions of cheese just like slightly coming out the side. You order it and you unwrap it in the foil <laughs> and it looks like someone in, in the in the kitchen stepped on it. Like it is like like the, I get the heat lamp thing. I get like the temperature is going to be a little awkward. Like it's slightly warmer than room temperature, which I, either I want my sandwich hot or cold. I do not want it like war right. that, that warmish, you know, um, but the fact that it looks like someone like literally before they handed it to you, put it in their hands and just sort of clapping as hard as they could. And they're like, here's your sandwich. Is, is that your experience with Arby's? It's like a guilty pleasure. I'm not going to lie because you're right. You open it up, especially if you get a beef and cheddar and they have mm -hmm. the French onion roll, but the onions are always like black. It looks like it fell on the floor. So it's like, you know what I'm saying? Like It fell on the floor. Somebody stepped on it. It smashed down. But you know what? It tastes good to me. Like I It tastes good to me. Like I'm not going to lie. It looks like a sandwich you could get in the foil and put in your back pocket of your jeans and walk around with all day. And if you ate it later that night after it's been in your back pocket, it would have the same warmth because it's about body temperature. They keep them under the heat lamp. Like it's about the temperature of the human body. That's Maybe fake, that's good for digestion. It seems like it'd be good for digestion. That's I don't know, but I'm just pontificating here. But it seems like it's about the temperature you would keep the sandwich. And if you were walking around with that sandwich and maybe you sat down a couple of times, oh, shoot, I got my, my Arby's in my back pocket. Let me get this out. It's like sitting on a set of keys. It's basically the same as it coming out fresh and from the kitchen. That's been my experience at Arby's. Emily, if you if you are in like any town USA, right? You don't know the good mom and pop trucks, the the, the good mom and, and pop places around. You don't know like the local haunts. There's you don't know where all the cool food trucks are. You're going to a chain and it, and it's lunchtime and you got a little coin. Let's say you're looking to spend about twenty five bucks. Okay. Ooh. Because we we're, we're well established chili stands on this pot yeah. over the years. Like, are we? So, so I am. Are, you got you got beef. You got beef with chilies. You got beef with chilies, but not Arby's. I don't necessarily got a beef with okay. it. When y'all say stands or fans, I have a different kind. I'm like, I mean, as Jesse was setting up that question, I was getting ready to say chilies. Yeah, but I, we got. So, I feel like th this is this is just my take. 
there's tiers to the chains. For okay. Sure. Okay. The, okay. The top, it's obvious. It's Chili's and it's Olive Garden. Okay. The bottom is the Bennigan's. The top. That's the tip. That's tippy the top. top. Tippy top. That's at the very mm-hmm. top of the mm-hmm. of the chain. Yeah. So uh, Longhorn isn't isn't Texas Roadhouse Longhorn. Texas Roadhouse. Slight notch below. Slight. Just because I don't notch know if those below. are as big. Below? I do like Texas Roadhouse I, a lot. That cinnamon butter gets me every I, time. It's because. If you're throwing, if it's acceptable to throw peanut shells and garbage on the floor, sorry, you're going down a notch. All right. I'm not going, if I'm not eating at a barn. Okay. Like it's like I'm eating at a circus tent. Okay. I don't want to, I don't want to like wear like not good shoes to go to, to to pay to eat somewhere because people are just disposing of rib bones and. But but Longhorn to me feels a little more elevated than Chili's, don't it? I don't think the food. I, I think you got limited options. It's, Chili's is good because you do have like you can go there and literally everyone can find something. You got a lot. This is true. This is true. Yeah, those little Southwest mm-hmm. egg rolls are crazy. Yeah. I feel like those joints are fire. Are, it's a variety. That's the thing. It's variety, but it's not. It's it's a fine line because then you got like the cheesecake factory. That's what well, I was gonna say. <laughs> where they give you a, where they give you a telephone book. They basically give you a telephone book. <laughs> <laughs> like, here, here, you know, here's the cheesecake main- factory might be at the top for me. Actually, I love a good. You piece said of- what? Maybe at the top? Cheesecake factory that might be at the top. Emily, I've never said that I had a good palate. There can't be a place that specializes in in making Italian food, Asian food, Mexican food, and cheesecake and do it all well. They gonna drop the ball somewhere. Uh, there actually can be, and it's called the cheesecake factory. No. No, no. Hey, I, I, I know the secret of the cheesecake factory. Okay, it, 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 why everything you know seemingly tastes good. A dude back in the day, I was actually living in Orlando. The dude who lived across the street from me in the apartment complex, we got to know each other. And he was like, he was a chef at the cheesecake factory, and he was like, "Hey, I'll mm-hmm. come. Me and my wife will come over. I'll make everybody dinner." I'm like, "Sweet man, I'm going to get a cheesecake factory meal." So it's kind of peeping because you know he was making, he, he was using my kitchen and making the dinner. He had like five sticks of butter that he brought over for for these. You know, it was it was more than one stick of butter per per person. And everything in there, he was just loading up. But I was like, "Hey, man, that you know, I, I'm excited about this meal. It was a lot. It was some kind of pasta thing." I was like, that is that seems like a lot of butter. He goes, that is the secret to the Cheesecake Factory. It is, we start putting butter in, and once you think you've put too, in too much butter, you add more butter. And that is basically the secret to Cheesecake Factory. So, you know. And that's why it's at the top sense. for me, because I love butter. I have no shame in saying that. So that's why it's got to be at the top for Well, me. I think we have our editorial question of the week already queued up for us. I, we want to know this week, what is the best chain restaurant and why? Uh, and, and mm-hmm. I want people to stake their claim and really uh, uh, make their case for it. But we'll get to that later in the show. Uh, we got a lot to get to, so I don't want to take up too much time uh, talking about why Red Lobster is super overrated as well. Um, you do, look, you, you don't eat seafood at, in landlocked. You know, it's just it's a hard pass. Anyway, uh, we'll get to that uh, uh, later on in the show. Next up, we have Relevant Buzz.
listening to Briston Maroney. The song is Paradise. Season four of The Chosen is in theaters now, and the reviews that count are in. Amazing. Did not disappoint. Flurry of emotions. It was powerful, heartbreaking, uplifting. You have got to come and see it. It is a message for everybody. I highly recommend that you come out and see The Chosen Season 4. Episodes 1 through 3 of The Chosen Season 4 are in theaters till February 14th. So visit thechosenriseup.com and get your tickets now. That's thechosenriseup.com for tickets today. All right, it's time for... Relevant Buzz. For a look at what's happening in news and pop culture and Emily's quest to get tickets to the Taylor Swift tour. Uh, Emily, what do you have for us this week on Relevant Buzz? <laughs> I love that you know me so well because I absolutely am talking about Taylor Swift tickets this week. Um, I figured. Taylor Swift fans, specifically me included, are ready to wage war against Ticketmaster because it has been a really tough week for the Swifties. Um, Taylor's tour for next year, the tickets went on sale. Uh, there's a pre-sale on Tuesday and then there was another one yesterday. And both times the Ticketmaster website was just completely overloaded with millions of people. Um, she's doing stadium tours and she's doing, I think, 52 shows. So there's roughly 4 million tickets out there. Okay. So obviously 4 million people are trying to get tickets. It's going to yeah. cause a bit of an issue. Um, but on Tuesday, the website was just so overloaded. People spent up to like seven, eight hours just waiting on an online queue Mm-mm. trying to get tickets. I have, and, I have so nope. many because I saw this too. Nope. Like people on Twitter, are like I've been waiting eight hours. I will watch it on and, YouTube. Maybe I'm just confused about how the internet works because, like, I can understand if you're waiting in a physical line. If you're waiting online, what what exact was it? Just there a server crash? Like, what was the problem? Like, why did they have to I think wait? Part of it is a server crash, but you also do have to wait in a queue because you can't let everyone in. Otherwise, you know, you can't like not everyone can buy the same spot. You know, so you do sort of have to wait in line, but. It was just, I think the server got so overwhelmed and they like Ticketmaster issued or tried to issue an apology saying, um, you know, there was like an unprecedented number of people trying to get tickets. But the tricky part is they sent pre-sale codes to people. So they knew how many people. Yeah, I was going to say, of course, <laughs> this is this isn't unprecedented. There's a there's a precedent for this. It's every yes. major concert tour. <laughs> like they, they yeah. know how many tickets are available. They know the demand. It's not like this caught them off guard. Right. Yeah, exactly. And then the other tricky thing is Ticketmaster does this thing called dynamic pricing where um, the more demand there is for a ticket, the higher the price will be. So Taylor, when she announced this, said tickets for the tour would be anywhere between, I think it was 50 to $500, depending on your seat. And it actually ended up being closer to 80 to $800 for seats wow. because there was such a high demand. Um, so a lot of people, they wanted these tickets and they ended up spending a lot more than they like anticipated. So then they're also frustrated because they've bought these tickets and now they don't actually know how to pay for them um, because they put it on their credit card because, you know, not everyone's the most financially literate people. Um, Again, Whoa, 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 whoa. You about to go in debt over the Tay-Tay tickets? We can't go in debt over the Tay-Tay tickets now. We got to think about your bills. You going to be, you can't live at the arena. You got a mortgage, baby. You know what I'm saying? the arena depending on how much they paid for these tickets. No, I just saw... 
I don't know if it's a reseller, but some tickets on sale for ninety five k. Ninety five thousand mm-hmm. dollars. I mean, ninety five thousand. That's a that's a that's a Tesla Model Y all decked out performance mm-hmm. edition. And that was something that was frustrating. Too, that's that's a lot. Some people. That's a that's a that's a mansion in the Detroit. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah people that had been able to get it, like scalpers that had gone in and gotten tickets, they were already reselling it for, yeah, thousands of dollars for not even like the front row. You know what I mean? It's like you're not even in in the pit section. Um, so it was just Mm-mm. honestly a whole mess. And a lot of people are really frustrated. Also, Taylor does have a lot of younger fans. So um, even the ones that did budget correctly, it was like they couldn't afford to go because they don't have hundreds of dollars to spend on these tickets. So um, it's just been really messy. But what's interesting is, uh, I believe is the Tennessee Attorney General has launched an, a formal investigation into Ticketmaster um, to see what went wrong and potentially just basically legally make them do better um, when it comes to future concerts. So, you know, you believe that. And, and what law? I mean, I get it, too. I guess the consumer protection stuff. But it's like, you know, what law? It, what You know, I have the constitutional right to get to get <laughs> to get the week after her album drops. I I want to wait no longer than two hours to buy concert tickets for. I'm like I I guess like I I guess I want my congressman. It's part of me is like, hey congressman, uh, we got some other issues going on in the country right now. Um, you know, people who spend an extra thirty dollars on Taylor Swift tickets. I <laughs> I don't know if that's what I want my uh, tax dollars uh, funding your efforts for. But and so they're just trying. So this congressperson is just trying to ascertain how they could beef up their, you know, uh, like website. I don't get it. I guess basically it's kind of confusing. It's they're just launching an investigation to see if there was something Ticketmaster could have done better. And then if there is, again, I don't know what legal precedent they have to tell this company and, and what they could even do to make it, because it sounds like a lot of it was a server issue. So it's like, how do you, how do you just make someone's server be better? Emily, I, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but they not finna do nothing. And and I know that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna, next Taylor Swift tour, I'm still gonna be spending six and a half I, hours waiting I, for my I tickets. Just, but I just want yeah, exactly. exactly. I just want like you know when you go to the polling place to vote, everyone should vote. Do your civic duty. And 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 there's people that are like giving you little flyers and and telling you just in case you didn't do your homework and like ah I didn't really look at the school board stuff this year. I'll just take a flyer and see which one. I want that. I want the volunteers of that congressperson to be like the little check boxes, like you know, lower taxes, uh, you know, uh, more better tr- state transportation, uh, uh, cheaper Tay-Tay tickets, like on the little uh, election <laughs> flyer. Like, I'm, these, this is all the policies I care about. Yeah, these are the policies I really care about. All right. Well, good luck to everyone out there trying to get your Taylor Swift tickets. Emily, what else? What else you got for us? Um. So Jeff Bezos, the co-founder of Amazon, um, announced earlier this week that he plans to donate most of his wealth to charity within his lifetime. Um, He has an estimated net worth of $124.1 billion, um, which is a number that I cannot actually wrap my mind around. Um, But he has said that he plans to give it away to charities, um, primarily organizations fighting climate change and to individuals who can unify humanity in this very divisive time. Um, this is kind of the first time that he's announced 
that he's giving away all of his money. He's donated a couple times before, um, but this is a really big push. Um, the reason that this is also very important is hours after this interview came out, Amazon announced that they would be laying off 10,000 employees over the next few weeks. Um, and it is just, it's an interesting dichotomy that he's giving away all of his money and then 10,000 employees are going to be losing their jobs. Um, and this is part of a huge, um, there's been a lot of job cuts within the tech industry. We've talked about that on here, Meta, um, Twitter, just thousands of tech employees losing their jobs. Um, and it is interesting to see where the future of tech is going to go if all these people are not monitoring <laughs> websites. Um, I think even if you've been on Twitter, you've noticed, you know, sometimes features are slower or things aren't running as smoothly. So we're already starting to see what happens when we don't have these employees in place. Um, and so with Amazon, which is a huge worldwide company, I have no idea what it's going to do. You know, maybe, you know, they have tons of employees. Maybe it's not going to be a big issue, but I do think it is um, something to point out that, you know, he's giving away his money while people are losing their jobs. I think what goes up must come down too. like, I think what we're seeing in my opinion in tech, which is very unfortunate because it's real humans, but you're seeing a correction because during the pandemic, there was so much government money put into sustaining uh, jobs and PPP loans and things like that, that people started actually expanding like these stocks, like Amazon stock. I watched it go yeah. through the roof. I watched Meta stock go through the roof and they took that and started rather than think like, oh, let's be conservative. This may not be forever. Um, they started doing a lot of hiring. So now a lot of those people that they hired, they're cutting. And it's really, really sad because uh, you know, I, I just saw a story that someone, I think it was Meta, it was either Meta or Amazon, but they had moved from India to Canada. Mm -hmm. And by the time they made it to Canada, they didn't have a yeah. job. Imagine that, like that's rough. You know what I'm saying? So we had some rough times. Yeah, now. especially publicly traded companies where, you know, decisions are beholden to, uh, you know, people who own stock and, and want to see quick return. I mean, right. yeah, to your point, Derek, you know, the, when you go through periods of, I mean, not to, not to do uh, planet money here, but uh, uh, not to, not to go all Kai Rizdahl on us, but uh, yeah, I mean, you, you can <laughs> have, you can have currency inflation or you can have like speculative inflation where, you know, mm -hmm. I speculate the value of this country, this, this, you know, company or, you know, website or, or social media service is going to be worth much more than it actually is, or, or is worth much more than it can possibly generate in revenue. And I'll inflate the, the value of it, <clears throat> you know, because I think, because I'm speculating. Uh, but a lot of times, like you said, Derek, sometimes when, when things go up, it's, it's got to kind of level back out. So, but I mean, there has to be a balance yeah, and, and, always everything definitely balanced. you know we have empathy for you know especially people in the tech industry right now that are losing their jobs but i do think it is admirable of someone like jeff bezos who has you know just a crazy amount of wealth to mm -hmm. commit to giving it away um it's complicated but it's better i mean it you know at least he's willing to to make that commitment um for sure you know because you know so much wealth is held by you know, relatively few people. I don't know how many times mm -hmm. in human history such a uh, concentrated number of people have, uh, you know, amassed such a huge 
amount of wealth when so many people mm-hmm. have almost nothing globally, you know, but good for him for committing to giving it away. Mm-hmm. All right, Emily, you got anything else for us? Yes, I have one last piece of news, and it is something that I've been thinking about all week. Um, reports are circulating that Netflix is going to ask Greta Gerwig to direct the new, the new Chronicles of Narnia films. Um, and this is huge for me because I love Narnia and I love Greta Gerwig. So yeah. this is the intersection of Emily Brown right here. Um, for those who don't know, Greta Gerwig is the director of Lady Bird. She did Frances Ha. Um, she also did Little Women, um, which is already a book adaptation and she did it phenomenally. So I have very high hopes if she does go through with Chronicles of Narnia that she will do a good job. The one thing people are nervous about is that it is Netflix that is attached to it. And Netflix has a hit or miss record when it comes to adapting books. So, <laughs> or just literally anything is hit or miss on Netflix. That's like, true. We, we, you know, yeah. my wife and I, except floor is lava. The floor is lava is never fire. miss. Pure fire. It's hit. Hit. It's hit every time. Hey, that, that, <laughs> <laughs> and nailed it. Hit every time. I'm like some weird study <laughs> with maps and like animal heads, and they got to crawl. Dude, I'm I'm there for floors lava. You hit. know, but it, it is a huge hit. I want to talk about Narnia real quick, but Derek, again, that that got me thinking. Like there, you know, my kids love floors lava. We watch as a family. Even if I didn't have kids, I'd still watch it because who as a kid didn't play it? Yep. It makes me like, why aren't they just adapting more game? Like. Why is it there freaking Netflix hide and go seek? You know, like you. Oh, my gosh. Or, or, that would be crazy. Be so cool. Or like Twister. But like the dots are way further apart. So people are really stretching out like Team <laughs> Twister. I'm just saying Flores Lava was such a hit because it took a simple, simple idea and just made it look awesome on TV. If you if hide and go seek, see, you would. Who wouldn't? Who's not watching Netflix hide and go seek? Imagine hide and go seek. But over the span of a city, yes, someone has to hide in Chicago and you got to find them. And it's like there's different little clues you got to (laughs) figure out. There's certain spots. Or there's teams. Now, that would be legend. Yes, that would be legendary. That's called a manhunt, actually, though. So I don't know. It's I can go see in in like an Ikea. Okay. But. But yes. you don't tell the IKEA yes. that you're in there filming it. You just you hook up everybody Whoa. with little GoPros. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> While Whoa. IKEA, look Netflix. I'm all about. I, I'm Greta Gerwig fan too, Emily. I, I, you know, I'm pretty indifferent about Narnia to be honest. But uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we're, sir. All right, let's hear your Narnia takes. I'm I'm here for them. Why don't I'm just no I'm. I'm I don't. You're the first person I've ever met that said they don't like Narnia. Uh, there's a th- do you want me to get into the reasons? <laughs> no, no, I, no. One, I, I actually I, I, don't. One, no, one, actually, I, think, I don't. I, I really don't. I, 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 one. I think. I think. I personally not a big fan. I said I don't. Okay. <laughs> no, I'm playing with you, bro. I, I personally just not a big fan of like fantasy, <laughs> like dragons and weird animals, and you know. Mm-hmm. What's wrong? Mr. What's Mr. wrong with Thomas. you and Cameron, man? Mr. One guy doesn't like superheroes. I like superheroes. Another guy don't like fantasies. Well, but you draw the line at dragons. Yeah, once dragons <laughs> or, or 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 half or or like manimals, as I call them, like 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 a, like, a, like, like a like a like a goat with a man head or 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 or, or man fawns, with goat feet. Centaurs, yeah, yeah. Once once yeah, once fawns and centaurs or dragons enter the equation, I'm I'm out. Like I am. 
Sounds like a party to me. See, that that is, it sounds, oh gosh, they're going to talk. And they talk with like a weird, like kind of Britishy accent. You're like, what is happening here? What What is this? All right, Emily. <laughs> but I do like Red I do like Red Wick. I like Fuller's Lava, which is on Netflix. Hold on, one more, one more question before we go on. Why in the fantasy world is is there is there always that fake British accent? That's what I'm saying. Like, why is that like the why is that the epitome of like fantasy? Like, I, I need to have fin- fantasy as somebody from Memphis. That's what I'm saying. Tennessee, I want to hear a southern like, fantasy. You know, hey man, I'm finna shoot this arrow at you, man. What up, bro? Wow, like we need what it is. There was a study. I I read the story one time about why because there's a lot of Disney villains. They all tend to have these like British accents. Like yeah. when you're like Lion King, um, right? Like Mufasa yep. doesn't have an accent, but then uh-huh. uh, Scar does. And it was something about like I think the animators just said like they wanted to somehow like just distinguish that there was like something like that these people were clearly mm. evil so they made their voice sound different so sorry to all the british people for all the americans thinking that you're just the epitome of evil but i don't know it is interesting i think I've we're still it. holding a little grudge from the american revolution <laughs> we'll never let like it go low key yeah I, <laughs> we never but, let but it i go. will say this too it doesn't matter what a, like someone with a thick british accent is saying i'm always like well i probably should hear them out they sound pretty credible like <laughs> You know, yeah. you know what I mean? Like there could be, it could be one of those weird history shows or like, it could be about, it could, it could be about like anything from like World War II to aliens or whatever. And, and they're like cutting to different people and different experts and, or, or it could be one of those weird Netflix food documentaries. That's like, mm-hmm. you, you know, uh, yeah. Where, where it's like a corn cob that looks like a grenade and it's like everything you eat, you know, fed up or whatever. You right. Know? You're like, oh, man, what is this about? What is, what's going on here? And then, you, and as soon as, and as soon as they, they start throwing stats at you and they throw uh, one expert comes on. Well, well, sir, you know that the, the carbon makeup of the corn kernel is, and, and as soon as the, the British expert comes on, you're like, this is serious. And we got to throw out all like, this. I got to listen to this guy. Yeah, I got to listen to this guy. Get in the house. Throw it out the window. I'm fed up. I'm fed throw up. Throw it out. I'm, it's probably too I late. I set I'm, the whole cupboard on fire. Probably wow. too late. I'm probably already dead. Okay. <laughs> According to this documentary, I'm lucky to be alive. All the corn I ate. You yes. Know? But as soon yes. as that one British, yes. but it's, it's, and they always have like, some sort of like patchy facial hair and like a tweed, you know, or, or elbow patches on a jacket. You're like, he looks a little disheveled, but he seems to be pretty knowledgeable about this corn issue that everyone's talking about, you know, conspiracy. Oh, 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 what's this guy? So talking about a conspiracy. Um, so anyway, sorry for the diversion, Emily. Um, <laughs> the, <laughs> do, uh, what, what are your thoughts about having Greta Gerwig adapt the C.S. Lewis, uh, you know, I was going to say masterpiece, but I think they're, I actually think they're kind of just okay. Oh, that was maybe the most hurtful thing you could have Bro, ever said to just, me. Um, God, don't you think it's a little just, on the nose? Like, like <laughs> Aslan, like the lion's God, he sacrificed. I get it. It's, it's just, you know, you'll never get crisis, me to turn on Narnia. Like I wrote, like in grad school, I like wrote about Narnia for a class project. Like I got to pick the topic and I picked Narnia. Yeah. So I will always be on Narnia's side. Um, I'm excited because the way that Greta Gerwig adapted Little Women, she took this character of Amy, who was traditionally not a fan favorite, and she made it into such a beloved character. And so I'm very interested to see how she adapts the characters of like the Pevensey children and Eustace and like all of these characters, because I think she could take it in a really interesting and like 
loved way. So maybe haters like you will come around and see the beauty mm. of Narnia. Listen, mm. it's not it's not hate. It's indifference. Mm. It's oh boy, another. To me, mm. it's hate. You either love Narnia or you mm. hate it. What about what mm. about Lord of the Rings and all that? Like it's it, I'm indifferent. Feel, well. <laughs> I mean, aren't they kind of the same? Oh, dang. Aren't they kind dang. of the same? Just kidding, See, just kidding. Um, I do really like- I'm part of the blurred family. I'm a black nerd. You know what I'm saying? So y'all, look, I, every time I come on this pod, I feel attacked. You know what I'm saying? Like we get- I grew up with Narnia. Like Narnia genuinely had a very big you impact on my face. You shall not pass. I didn't watch Lord of the Rings till earlier this year, so I don't have as strong of a tie to it. But it was really good, and I get why people love it. I don't get why people learn Elvish. That one feels a step too far for me. But that's wild. That's wild. I respect it. That's really wild. You know, I have a Narnia tattoo, so I guess I get it to an extent. Yeah. But anyway, you know, Tim Keller knows Elvish, right? That makes sense. I've just lost a tremendous amount of respect for it. I just feel like Yay! listen. Here's here's the thing: you get so many spins around the sun, right? You have so many hours <laughs> in your life, right? I mean, it it just is what it is. Okay, like we don't. And you can spend those hours however you want. It disturbs me that such a such a a great leader of the faith has dedicated an untold amount of hours to learning not just a fictional language, but a fictional language spoken by a fictional species that don't even exist. I don't even understand why people learn dead languages. Who are they talking to with it? It's just a flex to say you learn Elvish. That's not even real. Like how? Does he really speak Elvish? Uh, it's not like he, I don't know. Look, look, it's not like he's saying. It's not like hey, he, he learned to speak this really obscure dialect so that he can go in the mission field and talk to people about the gospel in their native. What is he speaking? <laughs> Trying to evangelize elves? What's the deal? I, you know what? I bet Tim no. Keller could evangelize to someone using Elvish. I wouldn't put it past him. Big facts. Big facts. Now, be the only I, one that there's a whole it. community of people. There's a whole community of people that love Lord of the Rings that's never heard the gospel before, and they only like Elvish. So it's a, it's an intersection, an unreached right people there. You feel Elvish. me? That's you know people who speak the Elvish language. Yeah, it's the I want. Yeah, it's like the 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 U version Elvish edition, just for those. Yeah. Well, uh, I, I mean, good for Tim Keller, I guess. Um, well, Emily, when can we expect this uh, new Narnia adaptation or is it still kind of just in the works right now? It's still in the works. So back in like 2018, Netflix announced that it was working with the C.S. Lewis company on this. And that was four years ago. And this is really the first solid rumor that we've heard about it. So I expect maybe another 10 years. So from now. if you guys, I know we need to move on, but if you guys could choose Netflix to invest, let's say they're, let's just, I'm going to pull a number out of this guy, a hundred million dollars. It's probably going to be more than that. The, you know, the Russo movies cost like 200 million, but let's just say they gave Gregor Gerwig a hundred million dollars for this Narnia movie. Would you rather see them invest a hundred million dollars mm -hmm. in Narnia or extreme twister the game? Which one would you rather watch? Narnia. Narnia. I go Twister every time. Or that hide and seek concept. I don't think you could what spend would million you spend $100 million on, per se, for a game of Twister, Mr. Uh, Jesse you've Carey? Seen, you've, seen, you've seen what they did with Floor is Lava. But, I mean, they have, they have these awesome sets. They Floor is Lava cost $100,000, and they are making money. And over that, Floor is Lava is $100,000 and imagine. Matter of fact, 
It's a, it's a, uh, what do they call that game? We, we the, do it, we do it in space. We do extreme twister in space. We do, okay, I mean, we fly, board. It, Floor is lava is an orange theory gym that they film in they at the end it, of the they night. They flood it with that weird. And, and <laughs> they, they flood it <laughs> at the end of the night. My daughter, <laughs> my daughter, do. yeah, she's about to turn seven. Happy birthday, Haley. She's turning seven on, on uh, the day after we record this. But she's terrified of Floor is lava because they always show the people sink in the lava and like the hand like in T2 like fall below the waves. And then, you know, right. and you never see them again. My daughter's pretty convinced that if you lose floors lava, it's pretty much a death sentence. And that, you know, that the families that, 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 you know, you know, that last jump they have to make it where it's like into the doorway or whatever. Yeah. Every time she is on the edge of her seat, like, oh gosh, I hope the mom makes that. I hope the mom, oh no, you know, like it really is disturbing for kids but i'm more concerned about the people that actually make the jump but they hit their shin on oh. that concrete slab that mug has to hurt at least they replay it like six <laughs> times in slow-mo you know wow <laughs> they're always like in like yoga pants and a tank top no padding at all and just Nothing. cracking that shin you know or, up, or they land on both flat feet and fall back and hit their you know <laughs> a, oh that looks like a back end. that that this is this is for real man this is high state. Haley might be on to something, man. I know. It's a dangerous <laughs> game. But uh, anyway, all right. Well, we'll be on the lookout. Uh, Emily, thank you for, for those updates. Hey, next up, our friend Dev Paletta joins us. When it's dark, you know how to turn the lights on. You're listening to Curtis Hoppy. The song is Vegan Burgers. Well, Relevant has a lot happening this year, and we don't want you to miss a thing. Make sure to sign up for our newsletter right there on the front page at relevantmagazine.com, and we'll send you our top five trending stories sent to your inbox every weekday. We'll also send you a weekly uh, podcast newsletter with the latest episodes, some uh, fan extras, and first peeks at the new shows that we're going to be rolling out throughout this year. Make sure to sign up. It's the best way to keep in touch with everything we got going on. All right. Our guest today is Deb Folletta. She's a licensed counselor and a trusted friend of the show. We, Deb goes way back with the, the podcast, the magazine, and relevantmagazine.com. She recently sat down with our own Emily Brown to talk about navigating relationships with family and loved ones during the holiday season and how to deal with the loneliness of the holidays, too. Here is our conversation with Deb Folletta. I feel like the holidays a lot of people can feel really unbalanced um just because they are maybe traveling a lot and they're seeing a lot of different people um so what are some ways that we can make sure we're not getting overwhelmed with seeing maybe a lot of family members or friends or really just anyone that we haven't seen in a long time you know i think people tend to be pulled in many different directions in the holidays and I think the unfortunate part is oftentimes it ends up being out of obligation mm. rather than out of blessing and opportunity and, you know, a reason to celebrate. And 
and fill your life up, you end up just feeling empty at the end of it. And so I think it's really important for us to, first of all, make a decision to understand what the holidays are going to be about for us. Mm. You know, what what are the holidays actually about? Is it about burnout and just pouring out until I don't have anything left to give and obligations and a packed schedule and having to make every event and get to every party? Or is it about a time to connect with people that I care about and to connect with God? And so I think when we have our expectations right about what the holidays really mean, then it's easier for our behaviors to overflow out of that. And if it's really about connecting with people that I love and care about and making time to connect with God, that means there's going to be things that I say no to. There's gonna be parties, activities, events, obligations that might not meet that criteria. And so when I have a healthy understanding of what the holidays mean for me and what I want them to be about, it's easier to prioritize, to set boundaries and actually make the holidays about a time of connecting with the people that you love and connecting with God. I think something that I feel Uh, especially like married couples struggle with a lot is um, navigating the holidays when, you know, there's sort of two families going on there. So um, how do you have, how do you approach that conversation with your family and like make sure that's a good question. You you don't want to hurt anyone's feelings, but yeah, that's a really good question. You know, in, in the research that I have done and surveys that I've taken, I find that one of the things that couples do struggle with the most is combining their worlds, Mm. especially when it comes to traditions. And so the holidays, there's a whole lot of traditions and a lot of different options and things that I've done in my childhood and things that you've done in your childhood. But I really think the important thing is to realize it's not about your traditions and it's not about my traditions. It's what are the traditions that we're going to build together? What is the environment and atmosphere that we're going to create together. Sometimes it means taking a little from this world and taking a little from this world. But ultimately, if we're just trying to repeat our own childhood narratives and traditions, there is going to be conflict. Hmm. So we have to see it as, okay, we get to create our own experience as a couple. And sometimes that means setting aside the holiday for you and and your family your husband your wife your kids and 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 sometimes that means adjusting things so for example in our family we have what we call early christmas and it comes before christmas day so that we can set boundaries around christmas day and it just be about my husband myself and our kids and so sometimes you have to flex a little in order to take the best from both worlds but then learn that it's really about creating your own thing not just simply carrying over all the things that you've grown up with For a lot of people, this can be a bit of like an isolating and lonely time. Um, So what would you say to someone who feels that way and it's kind of feeling anxious about the holiday season? Yeah, yeah. I think the holidays 
can be tricky, especially because they do bring out loneliness in a lot of people. You know, you realize when you're looking around and everybody seems to have somebody and everyone seems connected, it can especially make your loneliness stand out more than usual. But I think we've got to take that feeling of loneliness and see it as a symptom rather than a curse. Loneliness is a symptom and a sign that you were made to connect. And that's all it is. So if we're listening to that signal in our body, I'm made to connect and that's why I'm feeling lonely. I think it's important then to respond to that signal by being proactive. Mm. You know, a lot of times what we do is we feel that, we get depressed and then we isolate even more. But the best response is to see it as a signal and then do the next thing, which is, okay, how can I be proactive about connecting with people? Maybe I'll invite some friends over for a holiday movie marathon. Maybe me and a friend will go out to coffee or dinner. Maybe I'll call my grandma and have some FaceTime opportunity, you know, talk to her, learn from her childhood. Maybe I'll spend some time with my parents, which I don't often get to see, or my siblings. Like, what can you do to be proactive, to see loneliness as a signal to connect and then do something healthy about it? sort of similar to that you know what can someone else do to maybe reach out or support someone who might be feeling that way yeah i love that i think it's so important for us to be aware of the people around us in the holidays and the people who might not have easy connections you know um, I think scripture is really clear when it says that true religion is taking care of orphans and widows. You know, when you think about what do orphans and widows have in common, they're usually the people that are lacking in connection of some sort, right? The natural connections of marriage or family. And so I think it's important for us to look around, whether it's uh, somebody who's a literal orphan or widow, or whether it's somebody who's sick and struggling, somebody who's depressed somebody who's lonely and and to see what does it look like to help fill that need for connection what does it look like for us to step out of our comfort and our um, celebration and help other people um, connect with other people um, make them feel special during the holidays i mean ultimately when we think about thanksgiving and christmas it's really all about gratitude and giving. I mean, it's like the, the ultimate example mm -hmm. of Jesus giving all that he had for us. And I think sometimes we make the holidays about us more than we do make it about other people. So it's a great perspective to go into the holidays looking at what we have to offer rather than what we want to receive. All right, that was Deb Folletta. Big thanks uh, for her coming on the show. Up next, it's your feedback from our editorial question of the week.
You're listening to Yeah Yeah Yeahs and Perfume Genius. The song is Spitting of the Edge of the World. All right. All right, guys. Last week, we asked listeners a very important question. What foods should we add or replace in this Thanksgiving meal? A lot of replies. I want to start off um, with this one from uh, Goud? Gould? I don't know. G-U-O-D. How would you pronounce that name? I think it's Doug Backwards. Like, I think his username. Mm, backwards oh, Doug. Oh, wow. Doug. I like it. I like it. Um, either way, Backwards Doug. Fondua Palooza. This brings me back to the conversation we were having earlier in the show about like chain restaurants. Why is it me- Melting Pot should have a moment again? Have you guys ever been to a Melting Pot? Absolutely. Uh, I, yeah, I didn't like it. What didn't you like? Did you not like the, yeah, the, the, the joy of, of, I know the melting pot is a blast. It's like going to hibachi. It's like entertainment while you eat, you get to do something. What, what, yeah, what's man, your, what? I, I don't know. Like I, I tried the cheeses. They didn't really taste it. it I, yeah. It just, it didn't hit home for the price. It wasn't the fact that it was bad. It was just the price just didn't add up to what I was doing. I'm like, so we paid all this money for this. Like, it's just like, I could have thought of a better meal for that price. I like being an active participant in the meal. Like, I want to go to a hibachi place, you know? Well, you know, Uh the ones where they're they're flinging shrimp at people and doing a little onion volcanoes and stuff. But I want Uh one where you can pay extra and you operate the hibachi for the table. No. Like, I give me an extra 20. I'll pay an extra 20 and I get to put on the chef hat and I get all the knives and, and I'm flinging the shrimp. Like I like the aspect of the fondue where I got control over the meal. You wouldn't pay extra to run the hibachi table. Yeah, I would. I, I but here's the thing, though. <laughs> you have to make the meal for other people. So what if your hibachi skills are trash? <laughs> then I mean, that's what? the fun of it. Who cares? It's like <laughs> now your meal. Now your meal. What if what if I what if I hold what if I hold the the you know the meat and the fondue thing too long and it overcooks it? So what? It's you know it's part of the experience. I'm all about the fondue Thanksgiving. I I I, I appreciate you backwards, Doug. All right. Well, what else we got here? Evan Penn. So he says, yes. Derek Miner on saying green bean casserole is horrible. He says, what I suggest people do to make theirs better, throw it in the trash. Evan, I agree. Then he says, as for Thanksgiving, we can make a meal of a nacho bar slash buffet. Tell me one person who hates nachos. None. Exactly. You know what? I ain't mad at that. A nacho bar on Thanksgiving would be lit. I think maybe as like a, you know, while everybody's, I mean, I don't know how it is at y'all's family, but if a black family tell you that y'all eating at one, y'all probably going to eat at like six. So (laughs) from one to six, the nacho bar being there, it'd be lit. It would make everything a lot better. No no one dislikes nachos. That's like a pre-Thanksgiving dinner. For yeah. sure. It's the, it's the, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm with it, Evan. Respect. Um, Aaron pointed out that traditional Thanksgiving food is the only true American food in his mind, quote unquote. So he thinks it's a metaphor. It's a little bland and beige on its own. But when we invite other cultures to the table, they put their own twist on it. And it's actually good. One, I think it's funny that he admits Thanksgiving food can be very bland. Um, but I do agree. Soupy. That- Soupy. <laughs> not at my house but I, well, that's soupy. the thing everything's too soupy if you let um certain people cook it it will be very bland but when you bring 
a little spice to who it. Who the certain people, Emily? Who the certain who the certain people, Emily? You know it's the white people. You know it is. <laughs> <laughs> you knew Derek was gonna make you say it. <laughs> Speak your truth. Speak your truth, Speak, Emily. Hey, the truth shall set you free. If you was in Nashville right now, Emily, you could come to my crib. You you know what I'm saying? Thanksgiving, you welcome to come to my crib, Emily. We go we gonna save you. We gonna save you. Jesse, we gonna save you. You. Emily's eating a lot of dry turkeys and and mashed potatoes yeah. at, at and bland mashed potatoes at her white family. I have, to, I, I have gone gatherings. and gotten like spices from the spice cabinet and put it on myself because it's just like <laughs> this just isn't enough. Like um, and like you know, I hope my family's not listening to this because I do love them. They try their best, but like they'll put like one time someone. I won't say who because they, I do. Know let it out. Let it out. They made, Come on, they let made it all out. You gotta, time, you gotta get like, this off your chest. They made something. They were like, it might be a little spicy. And I took a bite, very bland. And I was like, why did you think this was spicy? And they were like, I used a lot more black pepper than usual. And I said, black pepper? That's what you thought was spicy? And I had this like mental crisis where I was like, I gotta be honest. Y'all gotta, it's a it's confession time. Come on, Jesse. Your your turn next. I think I'm part of the I think I'm part of the problem. Jason, cue the organ up, Jason. Listen, I think I think I'm part of the problem. I'm I'm not gonna lie. The other day we're cleaning out the pantry, you know, not a fun task, but you gotta do it every once in a while. And we had that spice rack, you know, the rotating spice rack. Mm -hmm. Okay. It's in the pantry at this point. It's not even out anymore. We got that. I've been married. I've been married for like 16, 17 years. We got that spice rack, that rotating spice rack for like a wedding gift. You guys know the ones I'm talking about, right? A little cylinder. Mm-hmm. There was only one spice that was empty. And it, was, it, one, and it was the it was the, the crushed red peppers for pizza. Every other out. spice, most of them Let had never out. even been opened. Most Let of them, the lid hadn't even been cracked. That had been sitting, I, I have a plethora of spices. And all the the only one that was halfway used for yes. 15 years of, of or 17 years of marriage Hallelujah. was crushed red peppers for the pizza. He getting free. Hallelujah, he getting free. I, I, that's what I'm doing. Know. <laughs> Should have bought a Honda. Come on. <laughs> she getting free. That's what I'm doing right now. Feels good. It feels good. Don't it feel problem. what the Bible say? Confession is good for your soul. That's what it say. Come on. I mean, it's there's all, all kinds of cool spices in there. I don't even know what they are. Yeah, I don't even know what they are. It's 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 a it's a real it's a it's a like in my household you, you put a little brown mustard on something that's that's the, that's enough zip right there. Let okay, it what out. are we doing? Come here? What are we doing here? Put, putting out. the brown spicy mustard on. Okay. The truth gonna set you free, bro. I'm so happy y'all got liberated. How you feel? You feel okay? Y'all feel good? Here's the thing. I've always admitted it. Like I'm not a great cook, but I have to have flavor and spice on it. And I don't know how I right. got that way because. A lot of my family is not that way, so I think I just mm-hmm. broke the mold somehow. And my children, they will know what spices are and they will know how to use them. Um, Come on! But it Come just, on! Thanksgiving. That's called that's called breaking generational curses. That's what God. That's what God is doing right now. He's breaking. He's breaking curse. generational curses. I. It's on you. It's it's on you right now. The spirit is on you. Come on. I feel it. Tell I feel the, it. Sins, the sins of the father will not be passed to this. Come on. Come on. We breaking generational curses on the relevant podcast today. Everybody at home, I just want you to look to your neighbor and say, We will put spice on our Thanksgiving food. Come on. Turn and look to right your neighbor. Spices. Don't put Smack them high five. Right. You gotta exactly. be intentional. We, about it. 
Exactly. Turn to your neighbor and say, we will not put raisins on any savory dish. Turn to your neighbor and say that. Raisins Come on. will not enter my Come household. Come on now. Come on, set yourself free. Set yourself free. Mm-hmm. I'm, we're about to get real, people. We're about. To, I need every head out, every every head bowed, every eyes closed. We're gonna be passing around some some foods, and I need you to eat them right now. I need you to. We need to taste and see that the Lord taste is and good. see that the taste Lord is good. Taste and see. Come on. There Come no on black now. Pepper. There ain't no black pepper in the in the house today. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, there ain't no black pepper. Let's get it. All right. Well, hey, that'll do it for for your feedback. There's a lot more where that came from. Follow us at Relevant Podcast and you can see the rest or contribute answers. Now it is time for this week's editorial question of the week. I was going to do, I was thinking the, the, the food chain thing, but that's two food in a row. How about we do this, guys? How about we say Netflix will green light $100 million for any project? It could be a game show, it could be a reality series, it could be a book adaptation. If you could see Netflix give $100 million. To any project, it could be, a, like I said, a show, it could be a reality competition, it could be a book adaptation, it could be a comic book thing, $100 million for something to get made on Netflix, what would it be? You can send your feedback to us on Twitter, at Relevant Podcasts, if, if Elon Musk hasn't accidentally uh, broken it by then. Uh, so follow us at Relevant Podcasts to send your feedback. Uh, all right, uh, uh, Derek, Emily, I, th- I think we did it. I think we I think we, we did this episode. Wow. Somehow, some way. Um, all right, a big thanks to uh, uh, Dev Folletta. Uh Also, hey, make sure that you head over to our website every day. Check out uh, all the new content. You can see the new Fall Magazine. It has conversations with Dayglow, Regina Hall, N.T. Wright, and a ton of others. Also, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. You, you, know, you know where to find us. Um, and hey, listen, if you haven't checked out the store in a while, you want to head over and see all the new merch uh, that we've got. And if you like the show, you know how this works. Leave us a rating and and a, and, a, and a nice review. You know, just say something nice. Hey, maybe we'll actually read some of those reviews on the show sometime. So make them make them funny. All right, that'll do it for this time. I'm Jesse Carey. I'm Emily Brown, and I'm Derek Miner, who just dropped a single with Aaron Cole and Thizzle called "Pressure." I need you to go on Spotify and stream it so that we can pay for this elaborate Thanksgiving dinner that we about to do. Go right now. Press pause on this and go hit the new uh, Derek Miner single. All right, guys. We'll see you next week. for listening to The Relevant Podcast. Check out our features, interviews, and news updates every day at relevantmagazine.com. And make sure to follow Relevant on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for the latest. For more great podcasts, browse the shows on The Relevant Podcast Network, which you can find at our site. And while you're there, don't miss the all-new era of Relevant Magazine. A new issue releases every other month at relevantmagazine.com. And it looks like someone in, in the in the kitchen stepped on it. Relevant Podcast Network.